Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Hold. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. There is research by Robin Dunbar, who's an evolutionary psychologist, and he says that our brain can only cognitively handle 150 social connections. But then if you think of that as like a circle and you think of smaller and smaller circles inside of that, the smallest circle represents three to five close, meaningful relationships, which might make sense when we think about how much is required of you to build something intimate and meaningful, your time, your emotional energy that you're expending. And those are limited resources. And unfortunately, I guess if you have a romantic partner, that person takes up two of those five spaces. So I joke that women who are like, wait, I have three kids. What does this mean for me? And I don't know. I'm not sure. I know some people might just argue your back family. and forth. <laughs> yeah, just your family. No <laughs> and I know some people are like, no, I, I have more friends than that. I think that's great. I just say, use research to inform the decisions that you make. Today on the show, we talk with Danielle Baird-Jackson. Danielle's a female friendship coach and educator who speaks nationally on the subject of friendship as a wellness imperative, which you know I love. Her coaching business, Friend Forward, is dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain better female friendships. Today on the show, we talk all about friendship, what friendship means, what the importance of friendship is in our lives. Also, how many friends can we actually maintain? And also, what are some of the things we might be doing to limit our opportunities to even meet new friends? Today's a great show, so I can't wait to dive right in. Welcome, Danielle. We are so excited to talk about friendship with you today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I think this is such an important conversation, so I'm, I'm happy to lend my voice to it. Yeah, it's it's a good one. You've got some good things to say. So I first love, like I've heard you speak, we've met in person, and what I appreciated about you was that you brought research into the conversation. Like I think a lot of times we can talk specifically about friendship really anecdotally, like this one time. <laughs> But I feel like it was such a breath of fresh air to me that you had so much research. So we're going to dive into a little bit of that today. But before we do that, I want to know for you personally, what is the true meaning of friendship to you? How do you define friendship? Oh, you know, I get that all the time. So you'd think by now I have like this nice go to eloquent definition, but friendship means different things to different people. Mm. But I think one thing we can agree on is we envision partnering with someone who offers emotional support, who we can Mm. celebrate with, who we can bring our burdens to. So I think regardless of how that definition fluctuates from person to person, Mm. I think that's kind of like a touchstone elements of what friendship has to offer. Yeah, I love that. And just going off of that, why do you think friendship is so important? Might we even say crucial in our lives? 
yes, we might say crucial. And, and this is why I like to go by the research too, because I do think regardless of if we've been hurt or jaded, I think we all, when we get honest, can say, okay, yeah, friendship's important, but it helps sometimes to be equipped with the research to validate what we maybe intuitively know to be true. Yes. And there's so much research that points to the direct impact that friendship has on your physical, mental, and emotional health. So mm-hmm. one I like to cite, there was a study in 2020, I believe that was done with tons of people and they were trying to identify various factors that have an impact or influence depression. And the number one preventer Mm. was having someone to talk to. There's research that shows that the people who are happy and have overall life satisfaction, the thing that influences that most is not their income status or their marital status, but the quality of their relationships. So we need social support. And so I always say, I mean, if that's the case, then why aren't we getting more comfortable with getting support for what I would argue is one of the most important relationships we'll ever have? Yeah, that's so great. I love hearing that. I'm a big fan of friendship. (laughs) I'm one of the people that has too many friends, honestly. Like, I know you're about to tell me to (laughs) rein it in. But it's funny because we talk a lot about health and wellness here on the All of You Whole podcast. And what I feel like a lot of people haven't, like, bridged in their brains is that friendships and relationships seem... Uh, like it's separate from health and wellness, but I feel like as you were saying, they are so important to our overall health and wellness. And we're using the word friendships, but I also think it's community as well. So either one friend or a group of friends and a community, and especially for support, like you were saying. So I want to know, just like I was hinting at, how many friends can one person truly maintain? It's funny because you have introverts who are like, oh God, I cannot do more than three. And you've got extroverts who are like, I've got 15 best friends. What are you talking about? And so again, you know, it varies from person to person. I can offer some guidance if somebody's trying to figure out, okay, am I normal? Am I on the right track? And there is research by Robin Dunbar, who's an evolutionary psychologist. And he says that our brain can only cognitively handle 150 social connections. But then if you think of that as like a circle and you think of smaller and smaller circles inside of that, the smallest circle represents three to five close, meaningful relationships, which might make sense when we think about how much is required of you to build something intimate and meaningful, your time, your emotional energy that you're expending. And those are limited resources. And unfortunately, I guess if you have a romantic partner, that person takes up two of those five spaces. So I joke that women who are like, wait, I have three kids. What does this mean for me? And I don't know. I'm not sure. I know some people might argue back and forth. Yeah, just your family. (laughs) And I know some people are like, no, I have more friends than that. I think that's great. I just say, use research to inform the decisions Mm -hmm. that you make. So if you've got 10 friends, but you also simultaneously feel overwhelmed, you feel guilty that you haven't checked in on everybody, tired, you feel like you're under serving them. That might be why your expectation of what's normal might be a little skewed. And so, yeah, you might feel burned out, 
But I also want to add to that, that our quote, weak ties are important as well. So that's that circle. That's like right outside of that, that represents maybe 10 to 15 people, that group of people who sometimes you see your job and maybe they're not your close friend, but it kind of is meaningful. Like that exchange you guys Mm -hmm. have, and they do know a little bit about your family or that person at your Bible study or that barista down the street, you see all the time, we need them too. So it just, I think it shows us that we have to be strategic about the people we really want to invest in because we do have limited time and energy, especially busy moms, busy women. Yeah, no, I think that's so true. And it's funny because when my husband and I first started dating, he was like, like everyone on the University of Georgia campus, like (laughs) you have a million friends. And he also said, he goes, I feel like you're one of those people that there are a lot of people that consider you their best friend. You know what? That might be, that might be true, which I think is a great quality. I think it speaks to your spirit, your friendliness, and people are probably really attracted to that. There's something magnetic about a person who makes you feel good about yourself. And so they do, you probably do have thousands of people out here like, oh, that's my bestie. Now what's interesting is, I don't know if we want to go to this place, but there's research that also suggests that only 50% of our friendships are reciprocal, meaning that maybe I consider you like my level 10 top tier friend and you consider me level seven and so you know we're still friends but we maybe prioritize each other in a different way you know that word friendship it's it varies from person to person but ultimately you just need to feel like you have sufficient positive social support in your life no and i think that's such a good point and i do feel like as i age right i'm what am i now 33 freshly 33 like i feel like it was it felt really important to me when i was younger to like the number of friends Mm. felt really important to me and in the days of having facebook in college and like Mm -hmm. you know like hey what's my friend count like that felt important to me and i will say like going along with that research i do feel like i have uh, started to value fewer people who know more, who are Mm. deeper, who I see all the time. Like I value that a lot more. And the other thing I want to say about like the levels of friendship and we've got these 150 spaces, how are we going to fill them? I also feel like people can change, right? So the people who were in your inner circle in high school, maybe they're still part of your 150, but you're not calling them every day. You're in different Mm -hmm. cities now, like things can change. And that used to, I'm also, so I'm an Enneagram seven, probably wing eight, but I've got a lot of loyalists in me too. So like I have friends, Danielle, from the womb, like literally our parents were friends and then we were friends and we're still friends. And so I have to learn myself to let go sometimes and not feel this pressure to keep up really closely with every contact I've ever had (laughs) and allow people to transition from inner circle to maybe even outer circle, or maybe you're not even chatting with them very frequently at all anymore. And like telling myself that's okay. Friendships can change. So I want to know what are some research-based ways that we can create friendships in our lives, new friendships, if that's what we need. Yeah. That's probably as a friendship coach, as you might imagine, the number one question I get is always like, how do I make new friends? And it typically comes with some kind of qualifier. So it's like, Mm -hmm. how do I make friends as a socially anxious person? How do I make friends Mm -hmm. as as a busy go-getter career woman? How do I make friends if I'm in a new city? Which I hope shows us that we will always be needing to make new friends. So right there, that whole idea of like, oh, I should have made my people in high school. I'm so behind. None of, mm. none of that. 
will always be having to make new friends. So there are a couple of tips I get for somebody who's in that space where they want to invite new connections into their lives. The first one's not a revolutionary idea and it's all we want to hear, but I always say, start with who you already know, because a lot of us already have people in our lives who we've dismissed for whatever reason as potential friends. Ah, oh, she's too young. She's too weird. She's not weird enough. <laughs> she's my hairdresser. She's not really my friend. So we have people in our circle who we already know who we like well enough, but we're always looking to build a friendship from scratch. And so there's research that suggests that I think it's 50% of our friends, but I don't want to misquote it, but essentially it's saying a large number of our friends are people who also serve another role in our life. So you might become oh, friends wow. with your babysitter. You might become friends with your hairdresser. You might consider your sister, your best friend. So sometimes they function in other ways and then we begin to befriend them. So that's the first tip is to put your head on a swivel and take a look at the stock you've already got is the first yeah. piece of advice. And the second is to become a regular somewhere. So I know we often kind of romanticize the friendships we used to have. I'm like, oh, it used to be so much easier. I think a lot of that was because we spent so much time with the same people, your classmates, yeah. your coworkers, your clocking hours. And there's research out of the University of Kansas that suggests it takes on average 90 hours to make a really good friend. So wow. if that's the case, how are you clocking hours with people? I have strong opinions on this whole cultural wave of low maintenance friendships and like, oh, I'm just cool with whatever. And I get it. I have strong opinions on that. But at the end of the day, <laughs> yes, the more time we invest, the more I know you, the more I feel seen, we're comfortable, we're having shared experiences. And so right. how can you become a regular somewhere? And maybe you'll start to see familiar faces. So if you work from home, perhaps you can commit to working out of a coffee shop every Friday morning at 10 o'clock because we're creatures of habit it's likely you'll see the same people at that coffee shop Friday morning, and then they become like familiar strangers. So now it's not right. so weird to go and say hello or to ask them a question and get things started. Yeah. So, so where can you be a regular? Can you walk your dog at the same park every day? I hear success stories of people who are like, oh, I go to the dog park at the same time every day. And those people have become my people, but it's yes. because that regularity, mm. becoming a regular. The third tip I'll give here, and I can go all day, so I'll stop with this one, <laughs> is to make your desire known. So many of us have shame around the fact that we are kind of in a space where we want friends, but it feels so desperate to be like, I need friends. I'm looking for friends. And so we keep it hidden because we're so embarrassed, mm. but how do you expect to get a need met if you will not make the need known? So yes. why not reach out to what I call super connectors, people who enjoy introducing people, you yes. exactly. Okay. You, for example, <laughs> would be that person and, and yes. maybe ask that person, Hey, I'm trying to get more plugged in. And I thought of you cause you're always out and about people. Is there anything around town? worth checking out. But that way, at sure. least it's from a position of, you got any tips as opposed to, I really need friends. Are you free on Saturday? Now that might work. If that's your style, do that. But language like I'm looking to get more plugged in or I'm trying to get more mm -hmm. connected. What yes. are your thoughts? Because that person's either going to give you recommendations to get started or extend a plus one. Oh my gosh, yes. you should come with me. We go to trivia night, like every Friday, you should come. Oh, totally. But you've got to make it known. And so essentially for making friends, my thought is, Put yourself out there and at least have one meaningful interaction a day. That's it. How can you position yourself for one meaningful social interaction every day? And I trust that once you stack those up, some of those as a natural byproduct of putting yourself out there will turn into friendships.
Yeah. Oh, that's so good. My mind is going in 5 million directions, but uh, I'm still processing all of that. I like one. I, yeah. So good. I want to know what are the different struggles that different personality types have? Cause I know mm. I'm extroverted. I'm like always ready to have fun. So like I said, I tend to have too many friends that I can't maintain, but I feel like different personality types have different struggles. What do you see in your work? A hundred percent. And I'm glad you brought that up. I don't actually get that question a lot. Yeah. I think friendship experiences might be different depending on your level of extroversion. So I've noticed that extroverts like going wide instead of going deep. So I often mm -hmm. say you'll have an extrovert and introvert who go to a party. Perhaps the extrovert is so intent on working the room and seeing everybody and Hey girl, oh my gosh. Yeah. And so <laughs> maybe they leave feeling a little less connected than the introvert who sat on the couch and had like a 45 minute conversation with two people. And yes. so, you you know, sometimes when I have extroverts who are like, oh my gosh, I have so many friends. Sometimes I'm more worried about them. I'm like, mm-hmm. Because I'm curious about the quality of those friendships, right. especially if they feel an internal pressure to see everyone, to touch everybody, to get coffee. Oh, I haven't gotten coffee with everybody. And it can start to make you feel like you're not doing friendship well enough and you haven't seen everyone. And the truth is that maybe you can't, maybe you've got to prioritize those three to five, but everybody else you see in like a group outing that you have once a quarter. So you can see everyone at once, or maybe you touch people in low touch ways where I send you texts or I put myself a little reminder to send you texts to show you your top of mind. I'm thinking of you, but not beating myself up for not being able to cultivate a deep friendship with 20 people. Extroverts also like the spotlight. We like to talk. We like to but you know how I would be curious how much do your friends feel seen by you how often do we dial it down and today I'm just showing up for you and I'm listening I'm not taking the spotlight which we mean well and maybe we're great storytellers so we're like I should have the spotlight <laughs> my stories are amazing so I would be curious about what is everybody else's experience with you do they feel mm -hmm. not only entertained by you do they feel seen by you? Do they feel mm. known? So maybe actively reminding yourselves, hold on a second. Let me just, let me give her the spotlight. Let me see what I might uncover if I just listen mm -hmm. and allow her to go at her own pace. Because I know sometimes yes. you're like, girl, speak up. Come on. You're being so shy. Come on. You know, yes. like, can I let her go at her pace and just listen and observe? Now, introverts, they might tend to enjoy letting other people off the spotlight. Perhaps they don't enjoy all the questions on themselves. So they're happy to just listen and let you do your thing. But then a lot of them might walk away not feeling very seen or known mm -hmm. because they don't want to maybe burden you by feeling like they're interjecting themselves or disagreeing specifically for people pleasers. Somebody suggests Chinese for lunch and you really don't want Chinese, but you're like, yeah, that sounds good. But yeah, but it doesn't sound good. You hate Chinese, <laughs> you know? And so it's like little things like that. We're like, Hey, if the goal is to feel seen and understood, am I comfortable speaking up for myself? Am I trying to be accommodating because I fear being abandoned or disliked and I feel good when other people like me. So I'm going to shrink myself a little bit so that they don't leave me. It's incredible to see how much we bring our personal stuff oh my gosh. to the table. So those are things that maybe keep in mind. No, that's so good. And I am in school currently to become a health coach and it is 99.9% .9 listening. 
Ah. And I told my husband, like, I'm like as extroverted as you can get. And my husband's not as introverted as you can get, but he's definitely the opposite end of the spectrum. And I'm like, Chaz, I feel like this is just a life course for me. Like, just <laughs> shut up and listen to other people. I'm like, that's good training, like for health coaching, but in general for life. Well, is there anything that a lot of us tend to do that really like limits our opportunity to meet new friends. Is there anything that you're like, guys, I see this all the time. Stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. One is a mindset and one is more tangible. The okay. first is the mindset of being scared of being rejected. Now I'm a hmm. former high school teacher. I taught juniors and seniors. And so I often have people ask, do you find that adults are like high schoolers? Is there still drama? Da, da, da. And I'm like, yeah, but the area where I see the most similarity is we're all running around here being scared little high schoolers. I don't okay. care how bold and extroverted you are. You have a moment where maybe you're meeting new people and you kind of do think, is it going to be weird if I say this? Or if I sit here, am I okay to sit here? If I reach out to ask her if she wants to get together, am I bothering her? I'm probably bothering her. I'm not going to ask her if she wants to hang out. Like and I'm like, little... are those the cool kids? Are those the cool moms? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not cool. There you go. We're all doing it. And so I would just encourage, I know it's so much easier said than done to be like, stop fearing rejection, but ask yourself if the decisions you're making to reach out are rooted in like, are they fear-based? Are you saying, okay, I'll reach out, but not until I can get some reassurance that she'll accept it. They might say no, they might be unavailable. You have to be reaching out because it's an extension of who you are, mm -hmm. and what you value. If you value connection, you go out there and you connect with your friend and be like, girl, I haven't seen you in a, in a month. Let's get mm -hmm. together because you want to connect. Not because I want to see her, but I don't want to be pushy. She's probably busy. I don't want to, but, but, but. So my first thing is I understand the fear of rejection is so real, but, so real. I, but evaluate how that fear is driving your decision or indecision. I'd be curious about. So that's more of a mindset. And the tangible thing I see is not really being approachable when we do show up. And so I sometimes hesitate with this part because I'm like, there's nothing worse than like a man being like, Hey, smile girl. So I don't want to be like ladies smile. But when we do go out, <laughs> what are the things you're doing that are counterproductive to your goal of connecting? Are you on the phone with your eyes yeah. down and your head down because you're nervous? Maybe it's an avoidant behavior. Sure. But if you popped out of your shoes for a second and somebody were to watch you, right? maybe I'm not going to engage with you because you look busy. I don't interrupt if you're texting. I don't want to interrupt. So I'm not saying you look mean or cold, but you don't look like you're open right now. So I'm not going to engage. Do we have a face that looks like we're not... <laughs> excited <laughs> some of the time. RBF. Uh, yes. Yes. RBF. We know what that means. Some of us have, I've had to work on mine. I've had to work on mine. Do we go to an event with a friend who we do know? And we only talk to her mm -hmm. the whole time. And right. then we're like, God, nobody came and talked to us. Well, because you look like you've already found your company. You're not engaging mm -hmm. with other people. So what are the things that you're doing that might be working against you meeting new people? Are you being a little judgy. Some of us feel like we've got people figured out the first conversation, like, oh, eh, I don't know. I like wasn't feeling the vibe. Okay. Like we're quick to be like, yes, nah. that's so true. You know, which is weird because in like romantic relationships, sometimes we give like 50 chances and our friends are like, he's oh. a jerk. Why aren't you listening? Like, 100%. But we're like, I don't know. 
Oh, he's coachable. <laughs> he's coachable. Well, it's funny. When I met my husband for the first time, he thought that I was interested in this other guy at the table. Mm. So he was doing the man thing of I'm going to give some space. So he like did not engage with me didn't even speak to me like out of respect for his friend and i was like man that guy's a jerk like you know so my first impression was like the opposite of what he actually is but you know sometimes we jump to these conclusions but there's either like a reason behind it or maybe they just found out terrible news or like mm -hmm. you know you just never know but also just thinking about the fear of rejection like one thing that I talk to people about is well, what's the worst case? Mm -hmm. Let's walk through what's the mm -hmm. worst case of the scenario. You ask this girl to coffee and she says, no, guess what? You have no fewer friends than you mm -hmm. currently have. You just go back to exactly where you are today, but you've also learned the skills of having courage and speaking up and someone will say yes. I just feel like you're gonna find your people. And then also too, I was thinking as you were talking about creating new friendships, like I feel like a lot of us are, even though Facebook is like my least favorite place on the planet, what I do use it for is all these different groups. So I mm -hmm. have a neighborhood group and I have the Moms of Denver group and all these things. And I just feel like we're actually at a really great place in history to be like, hey guys, we've all been locked up for two years. Mm -hmm. Like none of us have friends. So having the opportunity of y'all, I just want to really explore Denver. Let's start a supper club. Who's interested in getting more plugged in with moms in the neighborhood? I just feel like we're all in the same place. And so now's a great time to be like, we're all kind of in the same starting place. Let's all get reconnected and plugged in. So use Facebook groups if you guys don't already. Last question for you. What is a friendship coach? Since that's what you are, because I feel like a lot of times that's a fresh concept for people. Mm -hmm. And then also who needs a friendship coach? What are some mm. signs that you see in people that you're like, you need me? <laughs> So many statements. They say so many things and I'm like, mm, mm hmm So I liken it to this. If you are an entrepreneur and you're like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing here. Or I feel like I keep having like the same hiccup. What, do I need like a business coach to walk me through? Right. Or if you're in a relationship and you're like, okay, I don't know. I feel like we keep getting stuck or I want to, I don't know, try this new thing. Maybe we can get like a counselor. It's the same thing but for your friendships. Now, what I found as I've done this is a lot of women come because even talking about your friendships feels like there's no safe space to do it, ironically. Huh, because if yeah. you talk to your parents, they kind of feel far removed. Sometimes if we talk to our partner, depending on who your partner is, they might be unintentionally dismissive. Say yes. something like, well, then stop talking to her. If she's like doing that, then stop being yeah. friends with her. And you're like, well, 100%. okay. percent more complicated than Why that. Why is this so black and white for men? Like they're just like, get over it. <laughs> Right. So then you feel like, okay, I'm not getting what I need here. And then if you're talking to other friends about a friend, there's the concern about, does it get back to her? Yes. Do I look like I'm gossiping? And then maybe right. you're not ready to address the thing with the friend. And so it's like, where, where do you go? I try to say this delicately. I do have, I would say about 50% of my clients have a therapist and mm -hmm. some of them have shared stories with me of bringing their friendship troubles to their therapist. Some of them have gotten such helpful insight. Some have said that they get feedback like, yeah, well, just, you got to put yourself out there and just express your boundaries. And, and I think that's all very important, but I think when they're ready for tangibles, then they come yeah. to me like, okay, I've addressed this. I understand yes. how my abandonment issues with my mother are impacting how I show up, but what do I do tonight? 
What do I do tonight to get started? And so then they'll come to me. So if you're having issues making friends, preparing for a difficult conversation with a friend, trying to determine whether to release a friendship with grace, if you think you've identified a pattern in how you show up in friendship and you realize, man, this isn't serving me well, but it's all I know how to do. Those are the things that I can help with. And so whenever I hear people talking about being in a new city and trying to make new friends, I think they could use my help. Or whenever they don't know how to address conflict in a friendship. So they do that thing where a friend's doing something that bothers you, but you're not going to say anything. But they don't realize that it's manifesting in a lot of other ways. You're now being passive aggressive with her and hoping that she gets what you're saying. You are complaining about her to other people. Now they have to hear it all the time. You are starting to avoid her texts and calls and she doesn't know what's going on. And so a lot of us don't know how to approach saying Hey, you know, what happened last night? Cause that wasn't cool girl. Like what's going on? We don't know how to do that without right. being really terrified. And so coming with the coach helps you kind of like, okay, let's work that out. What's going on. Okay. Can we practice some scripts? Can we practice yeah. different outcomes? Can we practice? Okay. So what feels good to you? And so it's a blessing for me to work in a space where women trust me with such a, a tender heart based issue. And I've really right. enjoyed it. Oh, that's so great. Now I have to hire you. <laughs> That sounds amazing. Well, so great. I'm so glad you were here. I'm going to ask you our two final questions, kind of three. So at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? God, you can't just hit me with such a... When I look back on my life, what will a successful life look like to me? I think professionally, it would be really cool if to hear women say, wow, I was ending a lot of friendships prematurely and I didn't Mm. even know what to do and following along with her content or working with her, like change the way that I have friendships, I think it's just like, really feels like my purpose. Like I want to save friendships before they dissolve and Mm. teach us how to relate better to one another. So that would be really great, like professionally. And then I guess personally, I got to work that out, but I think it would be really great to just have people say that they were better in their relationships for something that they learned in relationship with me would be really great. Mm, I love that so much. And yes, hopefully we have time, but it's time, time to work this out, but it's always fun because I feel like even it even changes as I continue through life. I'm like, I hope I look back and see X, Y, Z. And like even month to month, I'm like always changing that answer. But I love those two things. So I want to know what's something that you've been doing recently where you feel like you've really been intentional about something. What's that something? Mm, mm -mm. (laughs) I'm laughing because all I have are like really deeply personal things. Honestly, (laughs) I recently, so I have a podcast called the Friend Forward Podcast. I recently had a guest who's a therapist who specializes in working with high achieving women. And so women who thrive on accomplishing and that's me, but I've been, I use that as like a boastful statement. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm like a high achieving woman. She helped me to understand that that is not a flex. And I have been like (laughs) unlearning. And so I have been trying to be intentional about, am I doing this because I'm trying to achieve or because it just feels really good right now. And so she gave me the homework of signing up to do things that I might be really bad at just for the joy of doing them. And I'm really learning. So that is what I've been intentional about is doing things that don't have a a reward or an achievement stamp at the end. Mm -hmm. And just because the journey of it felt really good. 
That is such a good reminder. I'm the same way. Like I, mm. I do things that feel purposeful. Like that's mm. being purposeful is part of my life purpose. And so it's hard for me. Like I used to play the piano and I don't anymore because I'm not like writing an album and I'm not going to be a oh. singer. And it's like, I was thinking the other day, I just need to like print off a bunch of worship songs and just like play them with my family and do things that maybe I'm even like probably really bad at playing piano now, but like, I'm sure it would bring me so much joy. So that is so good. Like we don't always have to be doing something for the achievement or for being productive. What mm -hmm. a good reminder. And then what's something that you feel like in the future you want to be more intentional about? Mm. Oof. I mean, maybe this goes with the last one, but I want to be better about spending time with my kids without mental timer, which sounds bad maybe, but especially when no, you're like I a know. woman who is ambitious, then yes. of course you enjoy time with your kids, but you're also thinking like, okay, so I'll do 10 more minutes because I, I, <laughs> yes. I gotta check emails. I gotta check emails one more time or I'll do, okay, well, we'll have like Saturday morning and we'll hang out. We'll have so much fun. I'm going to need it to end at 12 though, because Yes. Things that get it. So I oh would like gosh, to just like experience so just being present and just seeing like where this takes us because my kids are like, are such a source of joy and they are just yes. so cute and it's so fun watching them. And I'd like to indulge in that more without a timer. Mm -hmm. mm, that's so good. Yeah. I've hey, never send me, send me the bill for timer. this therapy session. Okay. Send me no, the bill. Oh I my God. just thinking that for you. I'm like, you were talking about your podcast guests who gave you homework. I'm like, I feel like I have a lot of homework after this, which is great. I always feel like I love learning new things and being like, gosh, I have like 10 things I'm going to do after this podcast. Well, thank you so much for being here, Danielle. Where can people connect with you online? Yeah, so everything lives at betterfemalefriendships.com. Mm -hmm. That's the information for the coaching and just all the things and me running my mouth on TikTok and all those things. So betterfemalefriendships.com is where everything's housed. And I look forward to seeing everyone over there. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you for having me. Y'all know I love friends. I have a lot of friends. I love my friends. I've had friends since birth, literally. So I love this topic. And I also learned so much from Danielle. I think as I get older, I am learning to really have less overall friends, but deeper, better, more lasting friendships. And I think that that is more meaningful. Thank you so much, Danielle, for being on the show. Please check out Danielle Jackson on Instagram. Be sure to follow her there. She has a book coming out in 2024, so stay tuned. I know I'm so excited for it, and we will definitely have to have her back. Thanks for listening today. See you next week. Thank you.